0: Welcome friends, this is the Red River Rising Podcast. Today we start a new series titled, Overwhelming Odds, Overwhelming God. And we're going to discuss four instances in the Bible that teach us to trust God when confronted with daunting circumstances. So take a listen and we hope that you'll be very blessed. Well Mike, today... As we mentioned, our title is of the lesson is Overwhelming Odds, Overwhelming God. This will be our new series, and we'll probably run about three lessons with this. And we're going to talk about four times in the Bible, which there are numerous, numerous times in the Bible where God shows up and takes care of over, overwhelming odds. But we're going to talk about four of them that occurred um, with the nation of Judah, okay. the little nation of Judah. That sounds good. Okay, well, the first one actually is going to be the Exodus, where God delivers Israel from the Egyptians, and then the other three will be how he delivered and protected the little tiny nation of Judah. Okay. So we're going to start off in Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 28, and they read, And the angel of God, who had gone before the camp of Israel, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from before them and stood behind them so that it came between the camps of Egypt and Israel. The cloud was there in the darkness, but it lit up the night. So all night long, neither camp went near the other. So we see, this is where Israel's backed up against the Red Sea. And the Egyptian army is is uh, barreling down on them. And what God does is God moved from being in front of the camp to being behind the camp. He set himself up as a barrier between his children... And the enemy threat Yep And then we see uh, in verse 21 It says Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea And all that night the Lord drove back the sea With a strong east wind And turned it into dry land So the waters were divided And the Israelites went through the sea on dry land On dry ground With walls of water on their right And on their left
1: Can, Can I just interject something Real quick right here we, we've heard this story this uh, countless times since we were children. Uh, those of us that have grown up in a, a church environment, you've heard this, departing of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I want us to look at a couple of things real quick just in the miracle itself. Um, really huge to me. Number one, you're right. You see, you see God moving from a leading position... To a defense position, right? You see him in front of the Israelites, and then he comes back and puts that barrier between them and the Egyptians with that and stands that ground with them. And this is what amazes me. Imagine now, they had to start moving towards the Red Sea, okay? They couldn't stay where they were at. They they moved towards the Red Sea. When they get there, not only do the, wall, the water split and go across, but it says here that they walked on dry land dry land. So I want you to think about that. It said uh, in 21 there, uh, it, uh make sure I'm I'm reading that right. Yep. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. All that night, the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind that turned it into dry land. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how long that thing was split up before they even went across it. So God's standing there, protecting them to that, divides the water, blows a wind across it. So you can forget the whole, well, it was just down. Theory, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, well, the Red Sea was really shallow and that's how they could go across it, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard that conspiracy yeah. theory or not, but yeah. you know, but it was dry land and it had to be dry land. Otherwise chariots would have got stuck, you know. Um, yeah, carts. And, that's exactly right. You know, you,
0: you're walking along and next thing you know, you're in two feet of, of muck.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, right.
0: If you've ever been in the military, you know what it's like to march through mucky ground it, yeah. it's very tough <laughs> yeah
1: i just think it's, it's a testament to you know when god does something god does something 100 mm-hmm. and yeah uh, really set them up
0: and and even though god gets all the glory and we know it was through his power this great miracle was done he did it through moses stretching out his hand mm-hmm. so god chooses to work great miracles through us that's right. if we just do the simple act of faith that's right that's right okay so uh so they walk through on dry land, and they see the water on their right and their left. And then we get to verse 23, and it says, And the Egyptians chased after the men, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen, and followed them into the sea. At morning watch, however, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their camp into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to wobble so that they had difficulty driving. Let us flee from the Israelites, said the Egyptians for the Lord is fighting for for them against Egypt. So this is very interesting. God sets himself up as a barrier between right. Israel and Egyptians, but at one point he allows the Egyptians to get through right. and to uh, follow them into the seabed. Mm-hmm. And you would think, well, why did he do that? Why didn't he just keep them away so that the Israelites could make a clean getaway? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes God will allow the enemy to advance to achieve a greater victory. Mm-hmm because we know we're going to see here what happens to the Egyptian army and we you know everybody knows the story right. it was a complete and utter defeat of the Egyptian army mm-hmm. because had god just stayed as a barrier yes the people of israel may have gotten to the other side and gotten away but what's to keep the army from chasing after them f- through another route
1: just a little thing there too you know i i wonder why and i'm i'm posing this kind of hypothetical but i wonder why the confusion piece I wonder if God just didn't give them an opportunity to say, hey, maybe we should just be turning back, man. This isn't really kind of going as we planned it to mm-hmm. either. We're having all these difficulties. I wonder if that's not wasn't a little bit of God's mercy being shown there.
0: Mm-hmm. That they
1: had an opportunity to do the right thing, but still pursued on uh, yeah. against that.
0: But yeah. And, little uh, side note. Yeah. So, you know, we see, well, God was protecting them, but he let the circumstances get a little bit worse mm-hmm. so that in the end it would be a greater victory Sure. and so in verse 26 it says then the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal state as the Egyptians were retreating the Lord swept them into the sea the waters flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen the entire army of Pharaoh that had chased the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived.
1: Hmm.
0: Yep. So now, they, like you said, because they refused to leave the Israelites alone, they were bound and determined to recapture them one way or another, um, God totally annihilated them. Mm-hmm. And not only did that uh, free that generation of Israelites from the power and control of Egypt, when the word got out to surrounding nations... Right. It was a great testimony in glorifying God. Hey, the God of the Israelites is a mighty God. Don't mess with them.
1: Yeah. It also reminds me in a New Testament context with that was uh, Lazarus. You know, Jesus, you know, they were all upset that Jesus did come earlier when he was sick, but now he had passed and he was dead. And they said he, he stunk. You know, but what a greater testimony it was that when Jesus raised him from the dead, it traveled a whole lot farther and a whole lot more impactful Mm -hmm. than healing some sick. He'd been healing sick all the time. right? You know what I'm saying? But to raise the man from the dead was a great testimony. It kind of relates the same way to me that, you know what I'm saying? God will set things up to where you know it's God and it will have the biggest and greatest impact.
0: Yeah. And, um, you can parallel this, I won't go into details, but you can parallel this to what's going on today in our country. Okay. You know, you know, things, things don't look good. Right. If you're, if you're, uh, you know, on one side of the coin rather than the other, things don't look good. Mm-hmm. But perhaps God is allowing this to achieve a greater victory. That's right. And so we'll just have to wait and see.
1: We will. And that's funny that you say that. And by the time this airs, it'll be after that, but it's yeah. similar to what I'm going to be preaching on. For my next sermon is that, is that as well. So, mm-hmm. yep, you're exactly right.
0: So I want to point out uh, the verse here at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. It says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So Paul is, the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, who's writing a letter to Timothy. Mm-hmm. And Paul had confidence as a child of God that God would rescue him from every evil attack. And we saw that in this story. You know, first the Egyptians are, are bearing down on Mm them and God places himself as a barrier to protect Egypt or to to protect Israel. Egypt gets around that and follows them into the seabed. God causes confusion and messes with their chariot wheels. And, and, and I just laugh every time I think about that. Here's the grandest army on the earth at that time. And, you know, their, their prestigious chariot corps. Is running around in circles and and their wheels are wobbling and maybe coming off and it's like a bad
1: Three Stooges episode as well. <laughs> there you I go, know. yeah, Three Stooges <laughs> Keystone Cops. That's right. You know, yeah.
0: just if you you know if the if the rest of the world could have seen that right. on satellite or something, right? You know, they would just be laughing at the greatest army in the world. Absolutely, and, and, and I'm sure God was laughing too. Sure. <laughs> so, so but we see, you know the there's a couple different times where Israel was attacked and God protected them one way or another, you know, and Paul, Paul had trust in God that way. He will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Well, we have that new covenant. We're saved. You know, in the end, we'll go to heaven. What God did for the Israelites, this is kind of a, of a, of a precursor to the new covenant. You know, he saved them from their, every attack of the enemy and led them into the promised land. Yep. And it's all for His glory, forever and ever and ever. So that that concludes the first story, where we see overwhelming odds because the people of Israel they were not trained fighters, they had no weapons. Mm -hmm. So the the best army in the world, trained military with chariots, you know, was coming after them, and God delivered them. Overwhelming odds, but we serve an overwhelming God. Absolutely. So you know, no matter what people are facing you know we've all been in in circumstances that we thought were just overwhelming and you, and you said thought to yourself there's no way I'm getting out of this mm-hmm. but God delivers us yeah. so we need to keep our faith and trust in him well yep yeah. the next uh event i want to talk about uh, it occurs in 2nd chronicles chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 and it's the king abijah he's king over the the uh southern kingdom of judah Now, when Solomon reigned, Israel was united, Mm -hmm. but because Solomon strayed away from God in his latter days and engaged in idol worship, um, God decided he was going to pull away the kingdom from Solomon. But because David was so faithful, he allowed a small kingdom, the southern kingdom, to continue to exist so that a descendant of David would always be a king. Right. Okay, so, uh, Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and that's where the rebellion and the split occurred. Mm-hmm. Ten tribes went, um, called the Northern Kingdom, um, uh, rejected the Davidic dynasty. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, uh, they commissioned Jeroboam to be their king. And then, uh, Rehoboam, so Rehoboam was king of the Southern Kingdom, Jeroboam was king of the Northern Kingdom, And they were at war the whole time. Then Rehoboam dies, and Abijah, his son, becomes king of Judah. And that's where we're at right now. And it says, in the 18th year of Rehoboam's reign, Abijah became king of Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother's name was Micaiah, daughter of Uriel. She was from Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah went into battle with an army of 400,000 chosen men. While Jeroboam drew up in formation against him with 800,000 chosen and mighty men of valor. Two to one. Two to one, right. (laughs) Now you might think, oh, 400,000 chosen men, not just 400,000 men, but chosen men. So these, you know, these guys were the the cream of the crop, Mm -hmm. but he only had 400,000. His enemy had twice that many. Mm -hmm. So he was outnumbered two to one. Not only that, but Jeroboam's men were chosen and mighty men of valor. Mm -hmm. So they have already proven themselves in combat as mighty men of valor. So there's a little bit of a difference between, hey, you know, you're competent in your military skills, but you're not, you're unproven. Right. Well, Jeroboam's men had been fighting wars for years, and they were proven combat veterans. So not only did Jeroboam outnumber Abijah 2-1, to he had a more superior, a more competent force. So this is what Abijah was facing at the time. And so how did he react to this overwhelming odds with faith? That's right. And we see in 2nd Chronicles chapter 13 verses 8 through 10 uh, Abijah is speaking to the soldiers of Israel. You know, his enemy the enemy soldiers that came against him, he's speaking to them saying, "And now you think you can resist the kingdom of the Lord which is in the hands of David's descendants? You are indeed a vast army" And you have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made for you as gods. But did you not drive out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites? And did you not make priests for yourselves as do the people of other lands? Now, now whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull or seven rams can become a priest of things that are not of, that are not gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God. But as for us, The Lord is our God. That's real faith talk. There, in the face of the enemy, Mm -hmm. Um, we have not forsaken Him. The priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites attend to their duties. So, at this point, um, Abijah is standing up in faith against overwhelming odds. That's right. You know, he's not—he's not trying to appease the enemy. You know, appeasement very rarely ever works. Right. But he's standing up to him. He's saying. Yes, you guys are an overwhelming force, Mm -hmm. but you don't serve the one true living God. You rejected him and now you're serving false gods. You rejected the, you know, his ways. He said that the sons of Aaron should be priests that ministered on our behalf, but you have kicked them all out. Mm -hmm. Now any common person can be a priest as long as they have the right price. Right. You know, and he says, and now you, you know, you're just like the other nations. Instead of serving the one true God, you serve all these various no-gods. And so he he's calling them out, and he's saying, we serve the one true living God. That's why we're going to have the victory, see? And so he confronted them with that.
1: It seems every time you stand up and stand firm for God, he comes through, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I was thinking, uh, not to throw in another example, but I was thinking of the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. They stood their ground. And every time we see in the Old Testament when somebody stands their ground for right and stands for God, God doesn't just show up. He shows up in a miraculous way right? each and every time. Yeah,
0: and that is an excellent example for how this story unfolds. Oh, well, wonderful. Well, i look forward to a little, that then. a little teaser, <laughs> things get worse before they get better.
1: Yeah, that sounds familiar too, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Rick, yep, I've enjoyed today and uh, had a good time with this. Look forward to hearing the rest of this. I'm a little eager to find out what, uh, what's going to happen. But join us next time. We'll continue discussing the overwhelming uh God that can uh, – Uh, overwhelm the odds. Amen? Amen. All right. Until next time, prepare your heart for the coming revival.